So this is a bit of an unusual one for us, isn't it? Because there's only been a week in between podcasts, which I don't think we've ever done, have we? We have not. We skipped one once. And there was a month's delay because we were both on holiday. You went swimming once as well, didn't you? That, I don't think that delayed anything just by a day. It still went out on time, didn't it? But it just caused you a bit of a headache because it... Well, no, actually, no, because you, you had a carpet installed as well. I had a carpet man come around, didn't I? So right. you were happily swimming away and I was dealing with a carpet man. <laughs> Um, all the exciting things that go on behind the scenes at 8 or 16. Uh, but yeah, so WWDC was such a mammoth event that we decided to, uh, on the hop last week, to to cut this podcast into two, didn't we? Which left us with three topics, um, which are pretty big, to be fair. We'd never fit them in last week. Well, we would have done, but it would have been like a three-hour podcast. Um, and I think we got to Mac OS, didn't we? Because we talked about the M2 MacBook and all the rest of it. Um, but Mac OS, Ventura, that was the the next thing what was your immediate thoughts on on that um i thought i thought it looked quite good i'm quite excited i'm quite excited about all of it really have you tried it are you you on the beta well no because uh i mean i could i suppose but um yeah i mean i've I've got a machine that i could you know if if anything went wrong doesn't matter so I'd, i'd probably leave my mac mini on stable software because that's the one that I use the most. The the MacBook Air is more of a, a it's a leisure laptop, so I use that for an hour or two in the evenings. And I have to say, the battery life's ludicrous on it. I think I've charged it on average once every ten days since wow. I got it. Crazy! It is ridiculous, isn't it? And it doesn't seem to lose any power when it's in standby. You, you cl- close the lid, you come back to it the next day, a couple of days later, several days later lift the lid springs into life instantly and it really is instant it's that never gets old does it no never um, that's just made me think though why can't they do that with the airpods max with the standby time because they don't they they're terrible on standby because you can't turn them off but if they can make the macbook air last that long because you're right it never loses anything does it it doesn't seem to lose a single percentage um but the airpods max in my experience are, are just useless Random thought. Well, it's early days because Mrs. Robs only had hers for a couple of weeks, but that's she hasn't complained about that. Okay, interesting. Although she's putting hers in the case. She isn't is she? putting hers in the case because she okay. likes the case. Yeah, see, that's that's probably my my downfall, really. Um, anyway, enough about the AirPods Max case. Um, <laughs> back to Ventura. So yeah, I, I'm not in the beta either. I'm going to get onto the public beta next month, um, whenever that that happens. But uh, it, I've I've kept an eye on people who have been using it, and there's a few things to cover, really, aren't there? Obviously, the big thing is Stage Manager, this kind of new way of multitasking, both on the Mac and on on the iPad. Um, I think it's one of those things. Until you get your hands on it, it's difficult to assess whether or not you'd use it that much. Do you think you will? I'll give it a go, but I'm not convinced. No, one of my initial concerns as a as a side docker which is the correct place to put your your dock yeah um i was concerned about how it would interfere with that but apparently it will just appear next to your dock so you still have your dock on the side and then the stage managery piles as they call them <laughs> i'm using which i can't i can't say with a straight face the, the, the piles <laughs> um, will appear to the right of your dock if you've got it on the left so yeah, I mean it's kind of it's like cover flow for Windows. Remember cover flow back in the day? I do. So I remember I, the, that very well. The thing I, I don't like that. about it is it, it 
seems to try and sort of magically position your windows. I'm not sure I'm down with that. No, and you do lose quite a bit of screen estate, don't you? Particularly if you are, like you say, a, a left docker. Um, I don't know. I'm not massively convinced about it. I think we'll come on to the iPad, obviously. I think it's going to be more interesting on the iPad. But for someone like me and possibly yourself, I, I can't see myself using it that much on, on Mac OS. Yeah. Um, I'm quite a simple multitasker, as you probably guess. I, I'm just alt-tab man, really. Um, I don't tend to leave a lot of windows open. I get a little bit fastidious about closing apps and windows and things. So I haven't got a lot going on anyway. Whereas when Apple demonstrate this stuff, they've got 30 apps open, 17 pages documents. I'm, I'm sure some people do work like that, but that's not really me. So it's probably not going to benefit me massively. Yeah, no, I, I like to have... I'm quite happy with the way things work at the moment. So I use an app called Rectangle for my window management needs, which is free. And, well, you can pay for it, and you that you can uh, buy the developer a coffee, which I have done. Uh, there's also a pro version, which I haven't looked into because the, the standard one does what I want it to. So I, I might look at it at some point, but I haven't got around to it. And it's only about eight quid anyway. So, But, yeah, Rectangle. And there are loads of apps out there, aren't there? You've got your... Uh, uh, what, what was it you use? Magnet. You've got Magnet and Moom and their various... I've used Moom. Yeah, I've used both of those. I don't use them anymore, actually, funnily enough. But um, I have used... I've, I've dabbled with them, yeah. So the thing I like about Rectangle is that it allows you to set in pixels a margin around the windows. I don't know. I've got a weird thing about windows touching. I like to have really? just a bit of, you know, empty space. It just makes, although I, you know, I obviously I understand that if you put a 20 pixel margin around all of your windows, well, then you're losing 20 pixels at the, t the top and the sides multiplied by however many windows you've got open side by side. But it just, it feels more spacious, even though it's less. Does that make sense? It just gets, it's, it's visually separates those windows in a way that is pleasing to me for reasons i can't explain see i'm the opposite i they have to be touching oh. and if i ever occasionally if i'm using let's say final cut pro and for, for whatever reason i've accidentally moved the whole the entire window three or four pixels to the right and you get a little gap down the left hand side of the screen that really bothers me i have to put it back to where it should be so it fills the entire screen, takes up every single pixel. But the same thing, if I've got two apps side by side or perhaps two windows, I generally snap them together. I've only just thought about that now. And actually, off completely off topic, but that, that reminds me of something else that you pointed out about what I do, these little thing, these little idiosyncrasies that we all have. Um, I apparently use my index, my right index finger as the for the space bar, which I assume I've done for probably 30 years and never known I've done it until you pointed it out well i mean there's you must have shown yourself typing in a fair few of your videos and i'd never noticed it either it was just the other day i was like is he using his index finger for space because which in and of itself isn't that strange if you're a two-finger typist then it makes sense but you actually are sort of largely touch typing for the for the letters and then you reach down with your right index finger to do the space. You've got all sort of crazy mashup of two finger typing and sort of, you know, more. I, 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 I can't think how to describe it. Well, well practiced typing. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a quick typer as well. I always have been. But um, 
I'd never known that. And as it turns out, I don't use that left thumb at all. I use the, the sorry, the right thumb. The left thumb I use occasionally for the space bar, I've, I've realised. And that's the other thing, I'm really conscious of it now. So while I'm typing, I'm spending more time looking at my right index finger. Oh, that, sorry, <laughs> I meant to give you a complex about it. So, so if all my content's it's dreadful a, after this, it's, it's your fault. Yeah. But um, anyway, that's a complete tangent. But that, that just, uh, that, yeah, that kind of made me think of these weird little things we do with, with computers. And I think stuff like Stage Manager does kind of make you think about how you use an operating system particularly when it comes to windows and dealing with multiple apps and stuff um but yeah i I, my apps and windows everything has to be touching there can't be gaps i don't like to see the wallpaper behind interesting yeah no i I go for a more a more spaced out look actually i'm i don't think we've talked about it on the podcast i know we we had a conversation about it not on air so to speak but um i I love my my mate view, but I've recently switched back to using my ultra wide as my primary display, hmm. um, because I really like having two windows side by side. It turns out, so I love the um, the, the more square aspect ratio and on the on the mate view and the higher resolution and the color accuracy of and it just looks lovely. It's a really nice display. Um, I thought I would adjust to having one big window. And you know, being disciplined in that way, but it turns out no, actually, I really do. It's sort of just become integral to the way I do things to have two windows side by side. So my primary display is now as I've gone back to using my thirty-four inch ultra wide, and I've still got the mate view on the side, which is what I use for photo editing. I mean, I say photo editing. I don't do any real photo, you know, like just photoshopping your face on stuff so that's what I, that's what i mostly do that's what i mean by photo editing um and uh and consuming content it's a fantastic consumption display but for work i think ultra wide is is where it's at because so combined with that rectangle app all this to say i might find myself switching back with the stage manager so i'm going to give it a good go i'll try i'll i'll, I'll move back to the mate view as my primary display i will give stage manager a good go and see if i can get on with the stage manager way of of doing things i'm not i'm not convinced at this stage but i'll, I'll give it no. my best shot yeah me too I'll, I'll use i've got a my old 27 inch imac i'm going to use as my beta test machine i'll give it a go on that for for a good while and report back but yeah i'm not can't get that excited about it really um i've got a note here saying spotlight they did, did some stuff to spotlight which i'd completely forgotten about this um but oh, Spotlight they... looks brilliant. So I'm a huge fan of uh, keyboard launchers. So uh, for years and years and years, I used Alfred. And I still have Alfred installed, and I, I do use it for a lot of stuff. So if, you know, for those who aren't aware, a, key, a keyboard launcher is kind of has traditionally been like Spotlight on steroids. So you've got a keyboard shortcut that brings up a, an input box, and you can type in a query and have it do some stuff, whether it's searching for things locally, opening an application, performing some kind of calculation, and certainly without Alfred, there's a there's a there's a free tier, I believe, and then there's a, a power pack that you can get that allows you to do some really clever, complex workflows. And then Doc IMED introduced me to Raycast, which um, does the same thing basically, but it's got a bunch of cool. It, it, it's a little bit more friendly to extend because you can f- feed the input. That you've, you've typed in into scripts and, and and other stuff rather than the the more drag and drop nature of alfred 
which has got a much more sort of graphical user interface, which makes it more accessible and sort of easier to use, but not for someone like me that actually prefers typing stuff out and, and, and having you know complete control over it. So got, and there are various options. There's, a, there's another one from, who was it? I think it's Objective Development. The guys behind Little Snitch, they've got oh, a, yeah. launch, a launch, I think it's called Launch Bar, and that's also very good. So anyway, loads of, loads of these apps that are sort of Spotlight Plus, Spotlight seems to have caught up now. So you can now search for photos by what's in the photo based on sort of ML interpretation. So you can find pictures of horses or people or, you know, you can just t- type in what it is that you want that want a picture of within your photos library and then it'll it'll bring those back. But it can also, it also indexes the text within those things. So if you've like taken a photo of a recipe or something and then you type in, one of the ingredients it can bring back that recipe for you so that's quite cool but i think one of the most exciting improvements to spotlight is that you can now spacebar to preview a document that's come back which you couldn't do oh, can before you? oh great which i think was I've genuinely missed. useful yeah definitely so yes yeah, so you've got the sort of the quick look peeking at, at search results searching live text oh it's also sort of integrated with um shortcuts and stuff so they you can set a timer from spotlight now which i i at the time i thought was quite weird but it's because you've got uh, a clock app now in mac os which we didn't have before okay yep so yeah when they when when craig when craig apple was uh (laughs) walking through doing the demo of the the new spotlight functionality he started a timer and yeah i found that quite curious at the time and then later it became apparent why there's, there's a clock app there's a, with there's timers app. and stuff wow and that's coming to uh, ios and ipad as well they're doing this a similar version of spotlight for those aren't they which is is nice um okay that because i've never used alfred I could, one of those apps i keep telling people i'm, I'm going to try out and i never do but uh now spotlight is catching up with it do, do you think they've um sherlocked it I think they might have done, yeah. Well, particularly if you're into shortcuts. So mm. there's there seems to be much more, much easier to work with shortcuts from Spotlight. I mean, you can do it from from Alfred and, and other tools, but it's a, there are some hoops to jump through. It's not quite as yeah. seamless. Interesting. Definitely check that out. Um, mail. They've they're gradually Sherlocking lots of other apps with Mail, aren't they? Because it's getting very similar to the likes of of Spark, which is the the, the, the um, app that I use. Um, but I must be honest, I think Mail is looking really tempting now. When, once the the new version's here, I may have to give it give it a try full time. I think there won't be much to keep me with Spark really at that point. Well, the the main issue with Spark is that you have to give access to your mailboxes to a third party yeah so a lot of the clever stuff that spark does is processed off device which apple keep reminding us is not a good idea these yep, days it it's is. all got to be on device hasn't it um so it, what, what is it that it, it's you can undo undo send schedule undo send, send. yeah remind yourself to follow up on something and the search is a bit cleverer now and does yeah. like uh synonyms and things so or and misspellings it can it can figure out it just it's a bit like the spotlight updates it just feels more complete now and more kind of able to compete with the with the third party options i think really and there is that big 
you know, like you say, privacy thing. So um, I, I really like the new Outlook. I, mean, I think in the last I love it. sort of in, in like a year or so ago, they Microsoft redesigned with a really nice lightweight hmm. Outlook. But it take it's the app is two gigabytes <laughs> for a supposedly lightweight mail client, which is too big. So yeah. I got rid of it and I moved back to to mail and it's been fine. So yeah, these improvements, yeah. it does it looks yeah. nice. I'm a big fan of Outlook. I think that that version's great. But like you say, it's just stupidly big, isn't it? Like most Microsoft stuff. Um, but yeah, mail. I, I was quite impressed with that. And Safari, a few changes there. Shared tab groups. Not something I'll use personally, but I've seen a few people get fairly excited about that. Don't know. Are you, have you been using tab groups much? Not in the slightest, no. no. Me either. I've used them twice, I think. The problem is the two that I've used are still there, and they're, they're related to like review um, research I was doing about six months ago. But um, yeah, not for me personally. There was, there was a lot of that collaboration stuff, wasn't there, though? Related to tab groups and various other things throughout throughout the uh, the operating system but um i mean i do i mean i have i have i have groups of bookmarks but i put them in bookmark folders yeah and then from your favorites bar you can well either like keyboard shortcut or you can click on it and then it will bring back all of those things i can't i'm not really sure what tab groups gives you over apart from the collaboration thing but i don't don't have any need to do that really i mean it might come in useful for planning a trip or something if you want to collaborate with other people on that but yeah i haven't found a use for it yet no maybe that use will kind of spring up one day who knows um i've got a note here as well about pass keys this is potentially quite well it is a big thing um which is still going to take a while to to kind of get anywhere meaningful for most of us. But um, it's the idea that we'll have a passwordless f- future, which is rather nice. Yeah, well, this has been brewing for ages. This is another thing like yeah. Matter, where all the big boys have got together and decided, yeah, this is, we've got to do something about this password nonsense. Um, and yeah, Apple are for, for forging forward with it. And it's not, uh, there are a number of concerns that I saw. Sort of people worried about whether you'd be locked in and this sort of stuff. But apparently, they they're going to make those pass keys portable, and they're already working on making it cross-platform and so forth. So, they, I mean, the protocol yeah. that they're using is Fido, so it's it's already a you know a standard that this it's not going to be locked down or specific to to Apple, but Apple will implement it in a typically Apple way. So in terms of rolling it out to websites, they've already got their foot in the door because there are so many websites and services that support sign-in with Apple. And it's only a small step then to, to switch it from a, yeah. a, you know, a hide my email and automatic, you know, a, a Siri generated password that's stored in iCloud keychain to, to a pass key, I think. So we'll see. Yeah, I think it's exciting. I think um, that the cross-platform thing is the the kicker, really, isn't it? That's that's the big thing, um, and a little bit unlike Apple because they they they'll only do cross-platform when they absolutely have to, won't they? But they did it with FaceTime. In fairness, I think with the you know the FaceTime um, invites and stuff that you can send out, which I've never used personally. I don't know if you have, but um, they, they're gradually yeah making this stuff cross-platform and with with passwords with passkey that is a big deal um, and it will be really interesting to see how the likes of one password nordpass etc how they respond to this um 
and uh, you know, Apple said it's going to be a a journey, whatever that means. So that they're clearly, you know, well, it's not going to happen next week. What they mean by week, that is that uh, it requires the websites and services that you want to log into to do something to support mm. it, which will take time. It will, but like you say, a lot of them do increasingly. You, you do see signing with Apple. I, I, I see it more and more these days. So, yeah, yeah. So I, I think it'll happen quicker than perhaps we imagine because. Yeah, you you can pay by Apple Pay on bunches of websites. You can do sign in with Apple. So, I think modern websites and services are quite well rehearsed at, at rolling yeah. out this kind of thing. Absolutely. There was a gaming section, which at this point I ordered my pizza, yeah. so I didn't really pay any attention to it. Did you? I mean, the rest of the market is moving towards cloud gaming. Aren't they? So you can now get the Xbox cloud gaming service on like a bunch of TVs. And that that Samsung M8 display, you know, the oh, one that yeah. looks like an iMac. Yep. You can get uh, Xbox cloud gaming. Um, and so you can pair your controller with something like a Samsung M8 or, or, or a modern telly and play Xbox cloud games directly on your telly without the need for a console. So I think that's where things are headed. I think the the days of having local, you know, absurdly powerful technology sold at a loss, and then they claw that back through subscriptions and games and, and that sort of stuff over the lifetime of that device. I think that might be coming to an end. I think so. So, which is why it's curious that Apple are really leaning into, hey, you know, let's, let's give you direct metal access to all our cool GPU stuff in the apple silicon and it was quite good that they had a you know a, a seriously big title they showed off a resident evil title yeah. and the developer was like well this is this is insane we you know we we design our game we do all the t- all the textures and whatever and then the metal allows us to scale it from you know you can run it at 1080p on a base macbook air or if you've got a mac studio you can run it at 4k and it just that we don't need to do anything it just sort of mm. takes it care works. of it all and gives us excellent performance and redraw distance and and all that sort of stuff so yeah i think it's promising promising for for gaming that is processed locally on Macs, which has not traditionally been a thing but it's kind of coming the wrong time (laughs) i I, I think it's just more of a, a flex really i think it's just apple once again just demonstrating what what all their their m1 and m2 stuff can do um, they haven't really got much of an interest in, in, in gaming in a big way, as, as we know, or at least we don't think they have. Maybe that will change if we ever see this kind of rumoured VR, AR stuff. But um, yeah, I, I think it's more of a flex. You know, here, here's what we can do with, with GPUs these days. Here's what you've got to look, to for, look you know, what to look forward to with the things like the Mac Pro, etc. But um, I just can't get excited about it at all. One thing I did get excited about was continuity, those updates. Mm. Um, the FaceTime thing. I don't do a lot of FaceTime calls, actually, to, to be fair, but um, it's just nice to know that is a is it an option, really. And it's oh, very handoff between devices. Isn't, yeah. yeah. The fact you can just take the call on your iPhone and walk up to your Mac and switch it to the Mac, that's just fantastic. The, the live transcription. I think we talked about that last time. We did. We? Which is so clever, isn't it? Um, but the continuity camera, that was the thing that really... Um, it was a, one of those wow moments for a couple of reasons, but um, and there is a bit of Sherlocking potentially going on here as well, isn't there? With uh, with camo, yeah. What do you think? It, well, 
I hope not, because I, I know the guy behind Camo and he's lovely. Um, but I don't know, it, that bothered me. I mean, I was impressed, but it also bothered me when I thought about Camo. I think they'll, they'll roll that out. So, yeah, well, the thing you're talking about is the the completely bonkers desk, you know, bird's eye view of your desk using the ultra wide camera, isn't it? So you've got your your iPhone. So the continuity camera allows you to wirelessly use the super high quality cameras in your iPhone as a webcam using a mount on the on the top of your your Mac or your Mac MacBook. But it, they showed off this thing called Desk View, which was completely insane. Yeah. To allow you to show off what's on your desk from from a vertically mounted a really, camera. It doesn't yeah, make any a really sense. Weird angle. No, and it uses the wide angle lens, doesn't it? It's, yeah. Um, so obviously you have to have the have an iPhone with a wide angle lens. But uh, it, it was two of those things really that I thought was 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 impressive it was the ease with which you just get your phone put it near your mac and it just works which is what you expect from continuity stuff but yeah it was also that kind of top-down view um i've not seen have you seen anyone else do a, a kind of demo of that apart from craig and his his mate no that, that well that's the thing it's like well hang on, it seems blindingly obvious in hindsight but i've never seen anyone do that before no no it's just there's a lot going on obviously in terms of some very clever it must be, I don't know if it's machine learning or whatever it is that's doing that kind of, it, it kind of boggles the mind how that works. Because, it, okay, it's a wide angle lens, but the, the, the example they showed of it, it was perfectly, a perfectly flat plane, perfectly well um, kind of uh, composed. It didn't look like it was distorted at all, which is what you'd expect, because it must be using the kind of outer reaches of that that wide angle lens, but it looked perfect but it is an app an apple demo isn't it you know we've got to get this in our hands and try it out i remain unconvinced that it will be perfect every time but who knows well there are lots of examples of really good flattening of really wide angle lenses so obviously gopro have been doing it for yeah donkey's years haven't they and i i I recently got a couple of uh insta 360 cameras did i tell you about that yeah, you did. Um, this is a preview of, of Saturday's video, actually, but I have as well. I've oh, kept it quite above. What, yeah, what have I've you got? got? The 360. Uh, it's over there somewhere. I've got the 360. I'm, I'm waiting on the the other one as well, the the smaller what, one, two, oh, or whatever it's called. Well, which 360? They do two. It's the X. It's the X. Oh, the one, is the one X two. The one so you've obviously got a one X two, and you've got a Go two coming as well. Have you? The Go two's on the way. Yeah. Yeah. So but I yeah, got you, I, I got yeah. those for a recent holiday to uh, to play with. Uh, have you have you tried them? I have, yeah. So I'm, I'm featuring on Saturday. So when actually when this podcast goes live, I've got a, a bonus Saturday video, and it's a, a summer tech accessories video. And they just I just managed to sneak it in in time. It was a bit touch and go with deliveries and stuff, but they got it to me fairly quickly. Um, but it is utterly crazy, isn't it? What you can it's do with that completely thing. insane. And to the uninitiated, this this camera is a 360 camera, which isn't new. There's been they've been around for for donkey's years, but it's a a consumer version of that, a ha- tiny handheld thing, two cameras front and back um, that I think film at 5.7k or something, don't they? Um, and they're constantly filming this 360 degree view around you, which is great in itself. But the really clever thing is that you can then go into their software. I think it's called the 360 studio or something isn't it um which is really easy to use and you can reframe 
your footage. So if you were filming, if you missed something to your right-hand side or you thought you missed it, you didn't. It's actually still there. You just swing it around in the edit suite and you find it. Amazing. Yeah, so you, you, you can just point the camera in the general direction of the thing that you want to capture. And it's capturing, it literally is capturing 360 degrees. And it can magically remove the selfie stick or, you know, which you can extend out pretty far and get all sorts of like crane shots and sort of pretend uh, drone style shots. And there's all sorts of stuff. But yeah, essentially you just, you just shoot once and then you can reframe it after the fact. Um, And yeah, so I had a lot of fun with that. And then you've got the smaller one, which is the go to, which is just, it's a tiny little camera with a, with a really wide angle lens. And you can actually, you can, it's obviously not, you can't reframe quite as much as you can with the, the 360 one, but you can still, to a certain degree, if, if, if you had your camera at just slightly the wrong angle, well, you can, you can nudge it up a bit or down or, or whatever and get some really nice results out of it. So yeah, really super. Anyway, mm. the point of all of that, the reason I went off on that tangent is that, well, yeah, there's, there's plenty of examples of really good software manipulation of a, a, a spherical image, essentially. So on the one hand, it's, it's not that clever. I mean, it's, it's very clever. I, 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 I haven't, the mind boggles at the maths behind it. And it, but it's, it's, if you, if you sort of boil it down to what it's doing, it, it's, it's been done before, but the application that's that was yeah. the thing that really blew my mind is the fact you have a camera in a static position docked vertically on the top of your display whether it's your studio display which <laughs> which it will be which it will be <laughs> or, or your or your laptop and yeah just to be able to get a, a top down a, 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 an apparently top down view from a vertically mounted camera hmm. is wild it's so but, useful as well. You can imagine people you know, teaching stuff and just demonstrating something. The ability to do you can't really do that at the minute because you have to kind of angle down your your laptop, don't you? Which no one does. But um, well, the, the way I, I do it at so the moment popular. is I've got my I've got the Steam Deck, and I I genuinely have multiple cameras. But yeah, if I could do away with all of that, that would be great. Yep. Yeah, I was very impressed with that. So um, that's pretty much Mac OS. Is there anything we've missed out? No, it was mostly the continuity camera. Uh, the and the, the spotlight improvements, the stage manager thing, we'll try out. Yep. Um, I can't think of anything else in Ventura that particularly stood out. No. I guess we should talk about iPad OS. So you left us on a bit of a cliffhanger last week, <laughs> didn't you? You said something along the lines of, "I saw what was happening in iPad OS, and then I've I've done something I thought I'd never do, or I'm going to do something I never thought I'd do." So I, you need to. Uh, Put us out yeah. of our misery. Yeah, it's not that exciting, really. I have a habit of having these big cliffhangers. And it's always <laughs> the payoff is always just crap. Um, but yeah, I, obviously, I said a little while ago that I wouldn't buy an M1 iPad unless I really, really needed to, or unless something tempted me to do it. Um, but this has, so I have ordered a M1 iPad Air, which oddly enough is taking forever to get here, um, thanks to whatever is chip shortages and stuff. Um, but yeah, so that's coming well, for you, me later this you month. Live in the Leamington Triangle. Yeah, the Leamington black hole of <laughs> Apple deliveries. Um, but I'm hoping it, at the moment it's telling me, touch wood, that it's going to arrive at the end of this month, which will be timed pretty well with the, the public beta. So um, 
yeah, so I've actually gone ahead and bought an M1 iPad, which I didn't think I would do. And it's the Air as well, rather than the Pro. And, th- and, and that did make me think, actually, that the Air, having that M1 available in the Air is actually very smart. Um, I didn't want to buy a Pro. It didn't make any sense to spend all that money on it. Um, but buying the base level Air just to get a, a an M1 iPad that I can test and use was very handy indeed. So that was a smart move by Apple, actually, despite all of my complaints previously. So, yeah, what... what what M1 iPad specific feature or features prompted you to do that? The well, definitely the stage manager, which is, is M1 only, isn't it? Am I right in saying that? Um, and the multi, multi, the external display, the proper external display support. Um, so again, for anyone who's not aware, iPads up until now, all they do is mirror. If you plug, plug in an external display, you just get a mirrored version of the iPad screen, which is fine if you're presenting something, but utterly pointless for everything else. Um, but now, in, in iPad OS 16, it is a proper external feed to a monitor where you can have different windows open on it and use it as a like a traditional second monitor. So that is really interesting, I think. Um, I think, as I mentioned when we were talking about Stage Manager on, on Mac OS earlier, that... It, it, it interested me more, me a little bit more on the iPad. And that was the kind of main announcement, really, wasn't it, for the iPad? There were a few little things which we can mention, but the big thing was, was Stage Manager, I think. And that is finally getting us somewhere, like I say, fairly interesting as far as the M1 is concerned. Well, I think, what well, you it think? supports what, up to eight apps running simultaneously. And you can yeah. have, like, one set of apps on your external display, another set of apps on the built-in display on your iPad, and then you can drag and drop stuff between the two sets of apps for you know to make for some really interesting workflows. So that looks that does mm. look quite interesting. Yeah, it's four four on each, isn't it? So you have four on the iPad and four open on the on the screen. Um, and they showed it, didn't they, with a with an iPad and a studio display, which I think is a, it's an expensive, but it's a very nice setup. So I'm, I'm going to give that a go as a as a kind of um, an alternative to using the Mac on on that screen. Because I'm not a in t- when it comes to the iPad, I'm not a massive iPad user. If I use it, it's for content consumption. It's for writing occasionally. I don't really do anything else other than that. And I get the impression that this might tempt me to do more stuff with it potentially. That's what I, I'm getting excited about. And, and it's got a weather app now. Only yeah. 12 years. <laughs> why did it take them so long? Who knows? Still no calculator. And why is there still though? no calculator? Yeah. <laughs> still no calculator. <laughs> um, yeah, weather app. The other smaller things, they went on and on about collaboration, which again, I got fairly bored with. But if you're a big iPad user and you have a team of people with iPads, you know, you get that kind of, Google Docs-like stuff in pages now, don't you? Which is quite nice. Well, I think it applies to all of the first-party apps, doesn't it? You can now, using the share sheet, you can invite a bunch of other Apple product-owning people to collaborate on, and then you can see each other doing stuff in real time. And Can you do that with the weather app? Can you collaborate <laughs> on the weather? The, the, um, I think the most interesting is their whiteboard app, the yeah. Freeform app, which I imagine will have... Uh, the folks at Figma are a little bit concerned. Indeed. I've not used Figma, but I'm aware of what it is, and I'm aware, aware this is very similar, isn't it? Yeah, so it's very popular, their Fig Jam whiteboard. But this, it looks better, I think, the freeform thing. The- yeah. And it wasn't really clear 
uh, I think it's an, it's, it's an app, isn't it? Or if it's, I don't know if it's built into other apps, but I don't know if we're going to get a freeform icon. Are we on iPadOS? Yeah, I think I think it is a separate app. But yeah, it looks it looks good. Is that something that you'd use? Do you think? I don't know. No, not really. No, I'm the same. I don't tend to. I don't really collaborate with anyone, to be honest. So oh, yeah, that's, I'd be yeah, drawing that's stuff myself. The environment in which I collaborate with people is is Windows based. So it's a, no, it's no good to me. But yeah, if you if you're on a fancy Apple, um, you know, a very a very Apple environment, which the sort of people that are doing the things that you would use a whiteboard for you, sort of user experience, people, designers, that sort of thing. They're probably in a fairly appled up environment. So I think they're, they, yeah, they're, they're really, they're really going for some, for the, for the corporate benefits, aren't they? With the, the improvements to FaceTime yeah. and this, this free format, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're taking the whole working from home, geographically diverse um hybrid working they're, they're taking it quite seriously it would seem yeah and also the, there was the whole desktop class apps section which initially got me very excited because i thought ah here we go it's going to be final cut pro obviously it wasn't that it was undo redo and a massive list of things that they've taken from the mac in terms of um you know shortcuts and updates to files um, changes to the contacts side of things. Uh, again, going back to what you were saying a minute ago about the kind of corporate use for these iPads and people who are just used to all of that stuff in a traditional operating system, it's gradually being pumped into iPadOS, isn't it? Um, I think, well, the, the standout thing for me was the the customizable toolbars. Yeah. I'm th- quite looking forward to that. Yeah. But, yeah, the the yeah. files updates are quite... I mean, I, again, I don't use files very often on the iPad, but if I do start to use my iPad more because of the, the M1 stuff and the you know, the multi-screen stuff, maybe I will, in which case having you know the ability to rename file extensions and well, view folder sizes and stuff... I think is the thing that would probably make the most benefit to the most number of people. Because the reason you don't use the files app is because it's rubbish. It is, yeah, totally. <laughs> but now... It, Hopefully is isn't so. We'll see how that pans out. Absolutely. Um, there was some stuff on gaming. Very boring. Um, anything you want to say on that? I, well, I think we talked about that already, didn't we? Did we, we? Did no, it. it was that. That was to do with uh, Mac OS. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, is that the, 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 everything that they showed off pretty much applies to to everything, doesn't it? So yeah, yeah so same. That yeah. I guess. The, the background loading API was vaguely interesting. So you don't have to download the whole game and all its assets in one go before you can play yeah. it. So you can download like a shell and then while you're playing it, it will be downloading the rest of the game. That's quite quite nice. But I, I, yeah, I mean, that's not groundbreaking. It's new for iPad, but yeah. consoles have been doing that for a while. The stuff that was new that was um, nice to see was the reference mode stuff. And again, this might be something I use at some stage potentially, um, but the idea that you can turn on a reference mode um, to make color grading more accurate and that sort of stuff. Um, I've heard a couple of people use that, and it, I think from the sounds of it, it's, lit- it's literally like a color profile that you have to switch on, the iPad reboots, and then you get that that, that accurate color profile. I imagine you um, need the uh, 
the pro for that don't you the mini led display and then yeah you, you would expect that the colors between your fancy ipad pro with its mini led display and your studio display would be the same yeah so i won't get it on the air will i that's the, I that's well, the no. downside of buying the air i'll have to buy a pro now i'll have to get an <laughs> ipad air and an ipad pro um but i liked that that's that's nice to see i, I think again i don't know how many professional color graders are using ipads but maybe this will tempt them to, to use them in a pinch who knows but you you have though don't you you do a lot of your thumbnails and things on an ipad i'm doing it less now i've gone back to the mac because right. i'm again because i'm using the studio display for it and that's the, the better tool for the job it really is well um, but yeah, so but the, we covered all the things that they did talk about. What about the things that they didn't talk about? Yeah, because we got a bit more than just widgets, didn't we, this time? It wasn't a complete letdown, but there was there's a lot of stuff they didn't do. You know what the big thing is for me is, I've been ever so boring about it, but it's, it's the iPad, uh, sorry, the, the Final Cut Pro stuff and proper pro apps. Uh, there's no kind of sign of them at the moment, is there? Well, the, I, that's interesting. So yeah, yeah obviously you were always going to, to moan about Final Cut, but the thing I thought you might mention was uh, TVOS. They didn't mention it at all. Oh, of course, yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll move on from iPad. Um, <laughs> yeah, they didn't, did they? There was nothing. Although, the only, I think, as I mentioned in my, in my run-up, in my kind of preview of uh, WWDC, that the only thing I really wanted was proper support for the TV network in the UK, which isn't really anything to do with uh, with TVOS itself. Um that's just down to yeah, regulations and red tape and meetings and things. But um, yeah, it wasn't mentioned at all, was it? There was nothing. Well, Which, that, maybe that signals a bigger update next year. I don't know. Are you, are you going to try, now that you've got a, a Synology router, I'm pretty sure you could run some sort of TV encoding server on that. Um, hopefully, yeah, yeah. Well, I need to get a TV in here first, which is on the on the cards, obviously, but I haven't got that that far yet. But yeah, absolutely, that's, uh, you're, you're going to try that as well. Yeah, that's that's, that's on my to do list. I, I, uh, I still haven't got around to ordering the the, the tuner. <laughs> but yeah, no, I will do that because we do miss yeah. we do miss the channel hopping. We do. Um, yeah, so they didn't mention TVOS really. There was, I think there was a brief mention about there is there is some there's some stuff for developers to allow better like integration between their apps you know like so you could do some cool stuff where you can have your an app running on an Apple Watch that would allow you to do stuff on the hmm. TV and stuff but there's there weren't any major TV updates I don't know how worried we should be about that because it's always been I mean it's always been a bit of a hobby project hasn't it for them. It has, but I, d I think with with TV Plus, with the actual the, the service, you know, with the, everything they're doing in terms of programming, um, in terms of the actual shows, that it's going nowhere. I mean, it might just be that they've got to a stage now where it's iterative updates, and very small things. There might be a bit like maybe there'll be a bigger update next year, possibly in a, you know, in a couple of years' time. But I think they're playing most of their resources into just getting great content on there, which is getting better and better. Um, I, mean, I don't know about you, but I, I think TVOS is a pretty decent operating system. It's not, there's a few little bugs and things here and there, but it's it's pretty solid. You know, we, we're using it all the time now. And um, although interestingly, we've had to recently switch to using our phones as the uh, remote because uh, one of our, our niece, uh, she came around and did something with the remote, which no one saw what she did. She's only 
uh, not even a year old yet. Um, someone saw it, saw it, her with it in, a, in her mouth at one point, which might explain a few things. Um, but she somehow left it in a state where only the power button and the jog wheel thing work. Um, so you can't do use anything else on it at all, including the volume buttons. So, um, oh, yeah, that's a shame. Well, I mean, I we we tend to use our phones anyway. That's kind of the def- default. No. Well, because of the the automations and stuff that I've got set up, of course, yeah, it brings it up automatically on my phone anyway. So uh, I've been using the using my phone as a remote, so I wouldn't be too upset about that. But yeah, if you've no, got used right. to the Siri remote, which is lovely, then I yeah. can see that'd be quite sad. Um, the, the other big thing they didn't mention was the Mac Pro. Yeah, still no Mac Pro. I guess we'll see no. that later in the year. Yeah, I think that's quite straightforward, really. It's going to be. I think we all got ourselves kind of worked up about it, and it's a rumor that ran away with itself. But they never said that it was going to appear at WWDC. They just said that's coming next mm. later. You know, so I think there's going to be quite a big Mac event, probably in October or something, maybe November or something. Yeah, from from a selfish point of view, I was disappointed they didn't specifically call out anything to do with shortcuts. No, that's I, true. Do, I do love the shortcuts, but anecdotally, people who are running the betas say that shortcuts is much faster than it used to be. Interesting. So I'm really looking forward to to that. Maybe I'll start using shortcuts as well. Finally, yeah, that's that's another thing on your list of things you keep saying you're going to do. And I've got a big list, <laughs> a massive list of things that I do, I, I'm going to do, and I probably never will do. No, I will do. I will. I'll, I promise I'll do shortcuts at some stage. Um, I think we've done WWDC, haven't we? Is there anything we haven't discussed? Well, there was just recently, in the last couple of days, there was the M2, some of the benchmarks have leaked. Have you seen the benchmarks? I've not seen them yet, no, no. So, uh, like, long story short, single core performance is about 11% higher over the, okay. Mac, over the M1, and multi-core performance is about 18%. Okay. That's... Okay, isn't it? It's, Which is fine. I'm, yeah. I'm still of the opinion that it's 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 twenty five percent more expensive and it's not twenty five percent better, so as to justify that uplift. Yeah, and I must be honest. Some some of the comments I've seen on my YouTube video about it. I, I did a, a little video about the M2 MacBook Air uh, early this week, and um, interestingly, a lot of the com- comments are pretty much along the lines of what, what, you know what we've been saying that the M1 is absolutely fine for most people and a lot of people miss that wedge design it's it's um that's been so iconic and i think so ahead of its time people are quite sad to see it go i think that's that, that's another thing I'm, I'm vaguely concerned about the structural integrity of the new flat macbook air because every yeah. time they've done this before you think back to iphone bendgate and then the ipad pros and now they've made the MacBook Air flat, and I know that it's it's very it's borrowing from the 14 and the 16 inch MacBook Air MacBook Pro designs, but they're much thicker, chunkier devices, and this is really thin. I'm vaguely concerned that we're going to have another bend gate on our hands. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I I'm I worry about my 16 inch all the time, so I take I carry it around in a in a backpack. Um, I'm so conscious of what I put against it. I've got a little system now where I've got. The MacBook Pro. Now I've actually got. I normally put the the MacBook Air sort of behind it in in another pocket to give it a bit more you know, structural rigidity, um, and then something else in front of it as well, which is also flat. 
because um, it just feels big. And like you say, it's, it's chunky. I think you'd have to do quite a bit to bend it, to be fair. Um, but most times when I get it out of the bag, I put it on a what I know is a level surface and just give it a little, you know, all four corners. <laughs> and what, you know, panicking that it might start rocking. It hasn't done that yet. But um, yeah, because I've heard of people bending their MacBooks in, the, in that way. Um, I've had, I think I mentioned on one of our, one of our very first podcasts, I had a, um, one of the original iPad pros, the 12.9 inch, uh, turn up bent out of the box. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that because these are very, very thin and they're going to get chucked in backpacks. People won't think about like I, I've been thinking about my MacBook pro, you know, needlessly worrying about it. They'll just chuck them in, you know, arching their backs over, putting other stuff in there that might put it out of whack. And, um, I wouldn't be surprised if people start to inadvertently bend these M2 MacBook Airs. Yeah. We'll see. We still can't pre-order them yet. I'm really worried about, this is the big thing, I think the thing I'm most worried about is when they're going to spring that on us because I, I need to get one. I, um, and I think they're gonna be, there's going to be a shortage. Pre-orders start for the MacBook Pro tomorrow, don't they? So let's oh, get yeah. one of those. I'll get one of those instead. That makes <laughs> sense, doesn't it? Yeah, let's get a, let's get a touch bar enabled M2 MacBook Pro, why not? I had a bit of an argument with, with Doc about this. Did you see that? Yeah, which I started, I think, didn't I? Because I wrote started, about it. Yeah. Oh, so uh, I, I, I forget what you said in that article. What was what was the gist? What did I say? Oh, I, I basically said that it made sense from a profitability and supply chain point of view. Um, and the fact that it's, the, the as they kept telling us, the world's second best-selling laptop, um, from their perspective, it's easy just to chuck an M2 chip in it, carry on selling it, rinse as much profit as they can out of that that design and then eventually replace it i suppose but um that was that was my thinking and then i, I obviously posted that in the discord server and then just kind of stepped back and let you two go at it which you you did no. what was the gist of the the um, argument it wasn't really an argument we were just having a discussion so well, i think we, we more we broadly agreed on everything which was that it's clearly a stop gap pending whatever the actual replacement for that device is supposed to be so you know they they for whatever reason, they didn't have a an updated version of that machine. So there's a sticker, stick the M2 in it, which will satisfy those users who absolutely have to have Pro in the name or have a touch bar fetish or feel that a fan is necessary. But I, my argument was that I think they've, I think it's 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 a decoy device, so that you've got they've they've made it look like. A bit of a rubbish deal with its 720p webcam, its old display without a notch in it. It, it hasn't got MagSafe, doesn't do quick charge, and all that. You know, the sort of things that you would get with the new M2 MacBook Air, in addition to um, you know the, the the ProRes encode decode engine and all, all that sort of stuff that you get with the chip. I just the the M2 MacBook Air. It looks like a much better buy. I mean, I'm still yeah. I'm not going to get one because I recently got the the M1 MacBook Air and I love it, and I didn't pay very much for it. And I look at the 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 value that I would get from that M2 MacBook Air, and I think because I mean I'd get what 500 quid or something trade in value for my M1 MacBook Air, and I only paid 683 quid for it, so I wouldn't be too worried about losing money on it or whatever but i just i don't feel that it would then be worth an additional 700 quid to get the m2 macbook air no it's not but yeah so anyway my, my argument was that i think for for whatever reason and we can speculate all day long about why why it's come to be i think they want 
to steer both the audience that would have traditionally bought a base M1 MacBook Air and the people that would traditionally have bought a 13-inch MacBook Pro. I want. I think they want both of those audiences to buy the M2 MacBook Air. Possibly, yeah. I just don't think they will. I think. I think. Do you think? I, I you use pro, the example. The, the pros are going to pro regardless, even though it yeah. is. It's, it's a terrible I, product, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. They just don't care. I, I, I think thinking back to my article, I, I used two examples. So one of them was me for about six years ago when I, I just started my my own business, um, didn't have a huge budget, but I wanted a MacBook Pro. I could have bought a MacBook Air back then and it would have done the same job for me because I wasn't doing anything particularly spectacular with it. Um, but I wanted a MacBook Pro. And lo and behold, 2016, I think, came around. They updated the design and they had a version which didn't have the touch bar, but it had MacBook Pro on the front. And that, for me, was enough. And that was a terrible laptop. Horrendous, slow, had the horrible keyboard, didn't even have that fancy new touch bar thing as it was back then. Um, oh, you had a MacBook Pro Escape, did you? I did add the yeah. escape key version and I ran that business on it for four years, I think completely ran it into the ground. It's still being used actually by one of my friends. He's got it in his, um, his studio in Northampton. Um, but it's a terrible laptop, but I bought it because it was a MacBook pro. And I think those people still exist like me back then today. Um, the benefit those people have now is that they have this much better performance thanks to that M2 chip. Um, and they still get a MacBook pro as far as they're concerned. It's a, that's, yeah, Technically, what it is, it's what it's called. The other, the other example I think I used was um, bulk buying, and this is comp- I've got nothing to back this up. It's just a, a guess, really. But I can imagine if you have a, a team of designers or team of developers or something, if you've got to buy, let's say, twenty MacBook Pros, you're probably going to go for that. I know technically you could go for the MacBook Air, but for, for whatever reason, if the MacBook Pro is the thing that you want to go for and get those guys, it's a it's a much simpler purchase. Um, that's my my guess, like I say, no data to back any of that up at all. But um, I think there's merit in what you say, definitely. I think that in, in terms of a decoy product, it's a classic marketing tactic, isn't it? There's definitely some of that going on. But I don't know. I just think it's a very profitable machine for Apple. Lots of people are buying it. Why not keep that trend going? I don't, think, I don't understand why it's their second best-selling laptop. Because I didn't like it Well, it's last the world's best-selling. Either. It's not even just theirs. It's the world's second best-selling laptop. Is it? That's that was the quote. Yeah, I wrote it down because the MacBook Air is the world's best-selling laptop. All right. Apparently, I've not looked into these again. This has probably been massaged slightly by Apple, but there, there must be some data to back this up. But um, yeah, it was the world's best, second best-selling laptop. Is that 13-inch MacBook Pro? I don't believe that. <laughs> you need to have a chat with Craig. Yeah. Well, they, are, um, they, they they always make these wacky claims, don't they? I think they they also proclaimed Safari was what did they call it? They they, they called it the ah oh, what did it's they always say? the fastest browser, isn't it? it the, the, they, the fastest, most power efficient and secure browser, or something, or private browser. I was like, right, okay. they'll have cobbled together three different studies <laughs> that are completely unrelated that kind of make that true. <laughs> um, but yeah. I'm not going to get a MacBook Pro. No, a 13 inch. I, if, if if you've got, was it 1300 quid to spend? You should spec up the M2 MacBook Air with the 10 core GPU. That's what I would yeah. do. I think. I agree. Although again, I think most people will buy that base level version. To be honest, I think that's the one that's going to sell out. Which again bothers me because I want to get one of those. I want to get the base level one. But I'm worried that it's going to one. I'm going to miss the window to pre-order it because there's 
it's going to happen without most of us knowing. And um, two, I think most people are going to go for that cheaper one. Hmm. What colour are you going to go for? I thought about this quite way too much, to be honest, but I think I'm going to go for the, the midnight one, even though it's a fingerprint magnet. Yeah. Oh, I did. I On your recommendation, I did catch up with uh, MKBHD's video and his, his dust on the sensor. Oh, dear. You just, Poor that's guy. tragic, isn't it? Yeah, and you can imagine what he'd have thought when he when he put that into he he loaded that footage in. Uh, if, if anyone's not seen it, if you look, if you watch um, MKBHD's, uh, I think it's his reaction video, or is it? It's just the M2 MacBook Air video, I think, isn't it? This is yeah, hands on at WWDC M2 MacBook Air. There's um, first impressions. That's it. There's there's two spots on his sensor. I think there's two on it on his sensor for his camera, which of these just looks like muck on the on the on the lens. It's not on the lens. It's on the sensor, but. Um, very common thing to happen actually but it's it's really noticeable to the point where you th- you would think he, he'd have seen it on his monitor but i guess even if he did you're not going to whip off your lens and start cleaning a a red <laughs> sensor in uh, apple park are you when you've got 10 seconds to look at the new macbook yeah so i mean it's just very very unusual but i i, I it's kind of nice i think because he's yeah. so big He's so big and, and just, you know, out of reach. It makes him feel a little bit more human, doesn't it? There's something else, this has reminded me, something else he did ages ago. He was reviewing, I think, it was the new AirPods, I think. Um, or was it the AirPods Pro, possibly? The AirPods Pro, I think. And there was some footage of him turning them around in his hand. And he turned them around and there was all earwax on, within the thing. And I just thought, I, I spend ages trying to make sure that isn't on there. But to see him do that, it was like, ah, the guy is human. He does have earwax. <laughs> Anyway, on that earwaxy note, (laughs) never thought we'd finish uh, the podcast off talking about MKBHD's earwax, but there you go. Um, I think we've done it. I think we've done WWDC in two episodes, which is a first. We'll try not to make a habit of it, but... There was just so much to talk about. There was. Absolutely. We'll probably talk about it next week as well. Hopefully there'll be something interesting to talk about next week. Fingers crossed, yeah. Let's think of something. (laughs) Awesome. Cheers, Rob. See ya.